This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into episode 34 of the Rattle Podcast. As always, my name is Jesse Friedman, and back on the show this week is the one, the only Jeff Weiser. Jeff, we missed you last week. How, how was your trip? How was everything? Oh man, trip was great. Um, nice to nice to get away for a little bit. Nice to time the getaway with the All Star break, where um, you know I missed a little bit of All Star festivities, but I didn't miss that much actual baseball. So um, no complaints, man. Just nice to be refreshed. Um, you know, much like the Diamondbacks, I'm you know I'm feeling loose, feeling limber. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to get after it. Uh, just just ready ready to attack again. Yeah, I think I think all you miss and I I talked about this last week. I think you I think you listened to it so you probably know. But all you really miss Jeff was Liam Hendricks just like cussing nonstop on national television. <laughs> <laughs> I did uh I I did hear about that. Um yeah, uh poor your take on the uh, mic'd up player thing, I'll just just say was was pretty accurate. That's no one is prepared for that. Um I, I do they not like train I just I'm really super curious about what the instructions are like before that happens. Like, yeah, totally. Assume just this don't thing don't works. swear. Don't don't <laughs> just be, don't speak unless you're not talking anything relating to the game that you're actively playing. And pretty you're much speaking in a PG level of language at the worst. Yeah. Which, I mean, we all know. I mean, most baseball players, while they're playing, of course, speak in a family friendly tone. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hey, it's America's pastime. It's a it's a family game. Uh, yep, there's <laughs> yep, no swear words. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, that that was that was sort of a mess. But yes, granted, other than that, it was the all-star break. There wasn't a whole lot of a whole lot of baseball while you were out. But hey, we look back at this last week, Jeff. I think your return is is a good luck charm for this baseball team because they actually played some pretty good baseball uh coming out of the all-star break. They've won four of their six games so far. Um they lost two out of three to Chicago, but then they came back and swept the Pittsburgh Pirates and Granted, the Pittsburgh Pirates are uh, sort of a scuffling team in their in their own ways right now. Um, but things are starting to look a little bit better for this baseball team. Um, Jeff, for, for me, it's really just kind of refreshing to see this team healthy and just like get a taste for what the Diamondbacks, what this season could have been in many ways. And, and I still don't think that's a great team, even if they're fully healthy, as we talked about at the beginning of the year. But but we're starting to see what the Diamondbacks look like when they have really just like viable starting pitchers on the mound day in, day out. And, and it's looked pretty good so far. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was me moving my broom after we uh, swept the Pirates. Um, yeah, no, a sweep, Jesse, a sweep. Like how long has it been? I mean, uh, it just feels like forever. The team has won four games in a row and I guess it's probably because it has, but, um, goodness gracious. It's, uh, it, it has been nice to see them healthy. Um, it's been nice to see, um, viable starting pitching, you know, on a fairly regular basis and, um, see them start to get some of the results even from, 
maybe not the names you'd expect, but even like, dare I say the bullpen was somewhat decent. Um, yeah. yeah, just really interesting. I mean, Soria has been, you know, had some sort of hairy moments, but, um, has also kind of locked things down fairly regularly of late and, um, all that's been, been really great to see. So, um, old, old friend, Tyler Clippard, uh, made his return yesterday. I uh, like, there are some like little glimmers of the team being better. And I'm, I'm with you 100%. I don't think that really makes them actually all that, all that good. Um, especially with Cattell Marte still out, but, um, yeah, certainly, certainly better than the product we've been seeing on a regular basis. Well, a couple of weeks ago when you were on the show, we, of course, made our our bold second half predictions for this baseball team. And yours was that they would win 60 games. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think I called 60 games. I know I called uh, 32 games uh, after the halfway mark. So, um, right. Yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah. Yeah. So so you had them playing like slightly under 500 baseball in the second half, but like way better than what they did in the first half at least and (laughs) certainly things are things are looking good on that front so far they're four and two as i mentioned and my prediction jeff so far i'm not trying to jinx anything but we're looking pretty fabulous over here um i said madison bumgarner would come out in the second half and look a lot better and help us feel some semblance of confidence about his future with the franchise and so far in his two starts granted it's against a scuffling Cubs team and a Pirates team that has really never been very good this year. Uh, but he's only allowed two earned runs over 11 innings. Uh, I think I also um, kind of put the icing on the cake over Twitter and said, I'm putting a number on it. I'm saying a sub four ERA um, for the second half of the season. And Jeff, so far, we're sitting at 1.64 in, in his first two starts back. So I, I think we both have reasons to feel uh, to feel pretty good so far. Yeah, I mean, it's early. The returns are good, though, and you always take the good returns. I mean, you've got a ways to go on Bumgarner. He's got some ground to give and, and still make you look good. Um, and the team, <laughs> I mean, I didn't think they were going to be, you know, uh, really foreign to it just about any point here along the way. So I'll certainly take it. I know we weren't, you know, maybe the boldest of the bold, but, um, you know, still positive signs. And, man, it's just it's been so bleak. I mean, I, I'm ready to really celebrate like anything good right now. Yeah. Um, and so this certainly qualifies, even if it is, you know, a sweep of the pirates. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, they really aren't, they really aren't a very good baseball team. And, um, you know, objectively just kind of like in a vacuum, I, I think you could really make the argument that, that the diamondbacks, you know, are probably a better baseball team. Um, and that they're, and I think that just, you know, they're going to continue to gain some ground, um, you know, throughout the rest of the way. So, uh, I think we'll see some other teams really continue, you know, to, to take kind of a nosedive, um, while the diamondbacks, I think will slowly kind of maybe pull themselves out, um, depending on what they're left with after the next, uh, 10 days or so expire. Well, they've won four in a row, as we said, and no other team in the National League has won that many games mm-hmm. in a row. So <laughs> technically, the Diamondbacks are the are the hottest team in the National League as of right now. Um, so we'll, we'll hold on to it uh, very tightly while we can. Um, but OK, something I want to get your take on, Jeff, that that I guess you did sort of miss while you were out. Um, we had the draft last week. We sure. talked with Keenan Lamb. Um, about what the Diamondbacks did in the draft and um, even what they might look to do next year. 
we'll, we'll circle back to what they did in this year's draft. But something I've seen circling on Twitter and something uh, that I tweeted about that people have been a little worried about as well is that the Diamondbacks would maybe behoove themselves to uh, sort of wind up with the first overall pick in next year's draft. Obviously, that would be sort of a nice thing. Elijah Green is out there. Keenan Lamb, our guest from last week, certainly had great things to say about him being a possible once in a generation sort of player. And people are a little concerned that, you know, if our wishes come true for this baseball team in the second half, maybe the Diamondbacks uh, sort of push themselves out of um, out of that position of having having the uh, the first overall pick next year. So uh, there are some concerns that maybe this could be a bad thing if the team suddenly starts to play better and regain some ground here. Do you think that is a bad thing or is that just something we shouldn't worry about right now? I don't think it's worth worrying about at all. Um, <clears throat> I think we know that they're going to end up with a record that is going to have them picking near the top. Um, I, I still think they're probably end up with a top three pick. Um, and we saw, I mean, you know, uh, this draft is not very far in the rearview mirror, the 2021 draft. Uh, Marcelo Mayer was the, you know, kind of ended up being sort of the consensus best player available. And he fell to four. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's much of a scenario in which the Diamondbacks don't have a top four pick. Um, so, you know, uh, I think they're going to end up with another great opportunity to get, you know, potentially a really good player. There are a handful of guys that are in that conversation with Elijah Green um, as the best players. And, you know, these drafts, I mean, this year was um, we've we've talked about it. This year was really unique in that the top of the draft board really shuffled and reshuffled and reshuffled again several times heading into the draft. And the 2022 draft will be the same way. We have our you know, a lot of the prep kids are um, on the showcase circuit right now. They will be, you know, doing things this fall. And we may not really see them much again until the spring. And a lot can change in that amount of time. Kids grow a lot. Um, you know, uh, they'll make velocity improvements, become stronger. Maybe they do some some types of training and gain some some new skills. Um, and then, you know, for the college kids, I mean, some of them are on the Cape right now. We're playing other, uh, you know, college league baseball. And then we have a whole, whole college season to go. People will get hurt, uh, et cetera. So I just, I just don't worry about... Um, I don't worry about the MLB draft the same way I might, you know, uh, like a, you know, like an NBA draft or an NFL draft or something that way. I think it's just way too volatile, um, but they're still going to end up with a great opportunity. They're going to put another really, really strong talent in the pipeline. Um, and I think that's the thing that we can pretty safely bet on. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, for for any, everyone out there on Twitter who is panicking about the Diamondbacks <laughs> moving out of the first overall pick, um, you can you can uh, maybe just just feel a little better about yourself yeah. after after what after what Jeff just said. Um, yeah. So that brings us to uh, to this year's draft, which you alluded to briefly there. Marcelo Mayer, like you talked about, wound up fell, uh, falling to number four and Jordan Lawler, of course, fell to number six with the Diamondbacks. Jeff, give us your take on the Diamondbacks um, first round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Keenan did a good job last week of really talking some of the particulars. I, I just think from a from a wide angle perspective, um, it was the type of if they had not gone that route, I think I would have really been kind of loath to see them do anything else. Uh, the fact that Lawler was there for the picking, I think they really had to take him. Um, 
I know he's not signed yet. Um, news has come out this afternoon that Marcelo Mayer has signed with the Red Sox for about $6.6 million. Yeah. It looks like the Diamondbacks, um, you know, have been kind of doing the on-the-side calculations. I know Nick Pecoro's written some really good uh, pieces this week about what kind of financial resources the Diamondbacks will have to sign Jordan Lawler, but it looks like you know, they should easily be able to have about six and a half million dollars to get that deal done. Um, it'd be an overslot deal, but they've been able to save enough along the way now that we've seen some of the uh, financials come in on the other draft picks. So yeah. there's no reason to think they can't get this done. I think they absolutely will. I think they drafted Lawler with the expectation that they could get a deal done. Um, I know that, you know, getting the compensation pick uh, in the year following, you know, was, I mean, it's a, I think of it as like uh, some insurance, I suppose. Sure. But if you can get a player that some considered a, the best overall talent and pretty much everyone considered a top three overall talent at number six, you're going to pull out all the stops to get that done, especially for an organization that has had a lot of bad press around it. Uh, things have been really negative just in terms of, you know, on-field performance and whatnot. Um, you're looking for like a silver lining. Here's your silver lining. Write the check, get it done. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when you think about Lawler and you think about Corbin Carroll, who we've spent a lot of time talking about yeah. on the show, seems slated to be, you know, probably on top 25 in all of baseball yeah. prospect lists pretty soon, maybe even top 20 or top 15. Obviously, his shoulder injury that has him out for the year doesn't help with that. But I think he's probably on the road to being that level of talent. And Jordan Lawler is certainly a guy... Uh, you know, once he gets in here, hopefully it gets done. The, the uh, signing gets done and uh, the Diamondbacks are able to get to work with him as, as soon as possible and just get him some reps at the Arizona League or, or whatever it is. Um, you think about him and then with with the Diamondbacks probably having a top, you know, three or four, whatever it winds up being pick in next year's draft. Um, and, and just looking at what that draft looks like as of now and the Diamondbacks probably having a pretty good shot to get a top tier talent next yeah. year as well. Suddenly, uh, this farm system has the makings of of some real, you know, elite level talent that that is pretty easy to get excited about. Um, and I, I guess this is nothing new. I mean, the Diamondbacks have had a top tier farm system for quite some time now, uh, which is which is well documented. Obviously, this year, I think. Um, and with the shutdown last year, some guys have taken a step back, but they're still certainly in the in the upper echelon around baseball. And and moving forward, this is you know these this draft and and next year's draft, this is a real opportunity for the Diamondbacks to take that next step. Yeah, this is how you build it. This is how they have to build it, anyways. Right. Um, until the organization decides to you know spend quite a bit more money. This is, this is the way to go about their business. Um, they don't have a lot of alternatives. If you're going to, um, you know, broadly speaking, be in the bottom third of spenders in the league, then, uh, you're going to have to find other ways to get value and this is their way of doing it. Um, so, and, and, you know, one of the things that is beneficial about it is that it is, you know, fairly sustainable. What it does do is it does put pressure on your ability to take these picks and turn them into viable major league players, which is something that uh, mm. we have and haven't seen. Um, yeah. You know, and I think I think that that's, you know, there's a, there's a rate of attrition that is pretty common throughout the game. And it's, um, you know, it's always hard to, you know, to turn, you know, there aren't a lot of um, eighth round Paul Goldschmidt's that become Paul Goldschmidt's. Um but, you know, then you look at a team like the Dodgers who seem to, you know, find some guys with, um, you know, unique 
unique attributes um, and certainly notable flaws and be able to find ways to make those players work. Um, so there, there remains a pretty large gap, I think, in terms of um, teams that are able to, you know, squeeze a little extra juice, um, if you will, mm. um, and, and, and really do that. And, and I don't know that the Diamondbacks are one of those teams or at least have proven to be one of those teams. I also don't know that until, you know, the last couple of years, this group has had a ton to work with either. So, um, yeah, I think it's still I think there's still a little bit of of wait and see. Um, but hey, you know, uh, that coming in the door with more talent is always better than having less. I mean, trying to work miracles and, you know, pulling off a few. Hey, that's cool. Like, that's a fun story. <laughs> but um, I'll just take the dude who's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's totally a fair perspective. I think I think you bring up a good question, though, in, in something that I think I've heard some of our our listeners concerned about is, you know, does this team yeah. have some sort of systemic problem with with just developing players and and as you said squeezing as much juice out of every guy as you possibly can it's it's easier said than done and and we know that particularly in the game of baseball probably more so than any other major sport you know there's a reason there's so many rounds to the draft and you have so many you know different levels of the minor leagues and Uh, These organizations are big because not that many guys are able to make it. Not that many players are able to play at this level. Um, And so, you know, player development in baseball is is in some ways, especially for a small market team, it is the premier skill that an organization needs to have. And the Diamondbacks, frankly, don't have a great reputation. um, And I don't think that's totally unfair to them. I mean, you look at almost every top prospect that we've talked about on the show and even before our podcast existed over the last decade or so it is hard to think of a guy who outperformed what we expected in a big way it's sort of been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment or in in some cases like with Max Scherzer and Trevor Bauer and Robbie Ray is the latest case where guys just struggle here or maybe it's the team moves on from them too quickly, um, which is probably the case with at least a Scherzer, I would say. Um, but whatever it is, guys will struggle here and then they'll go somewhere else. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. it just doesn't take them that long to find it. Even Andrew Chafin, the journeyman relief pitcher, uh, has moved on to Chicago and is um, has been really, really good as a lefty for the Cubs this year. So I don't know, Jeff, it's hard. I mean, we're not... We're not, you know, in single A, double A, triple A. We're not, you know, in the dugout in the clubhouse on a day to day basis, seeing what kind of coaching uh, the Diamondbacks have for these guys. And, you know, whether they're being held back in any way by the organization or it's just sort of bad luck over the years. But I think it's a reasonable question. Does this team have some sort of challenge, some sort of difficulty when it comes to developing players. Yeah. I'm going to give kind of a two part answer to that. And and I'm thank you for bringing it up because it's definitely a question that, that I know you and I both have received and I'm not sure we've talked about too directly. Um, you know, on one hand, I still think there's been, you know, quite a gap in terms of, um, you know, acquiring, acquiring talent. I wrote that piece a few weeks back now about the, the dearth of return, um, of their 2012 through 2016 crop. Um, but even if we fast forward the tape, the 2017 draft has been all around bad for like 
virtually for everyone. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can go through. I would encourage people to go through and look at the top 30 picks if you'd like. Um, and I think it serves as a good reminder of like what a baseball draft can be. Um, and they're getting something out of Paven Smith. Um, they're getting something out of Dalton Varsha. They got some really well-timed home runs out of them yesterday. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's been a bad draft. 2018, uh, Matt McClain didn't sign. Um, there's, yeah. you've just lost your, you know, the first round uh, talent that you could have had. So, and then we'll any, see if he signs this year. <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm sure he will this time around, but yeah, I mean, he'll make himself a little money in the process, but it did, you know, just, that's a first round talent that the D backs weren't able to plug in. Um, and then, you know, 2019, 2020, those are all way too recent of picks to have had, you know, really any success at this point. So on that side, I don't think they've really gotten much in the, the amateur acquisition side in terms of player development. And as a, you know, as we speak to some guys finding some success in, in other places, I mean, I, I, I think of, of the guys that maybe they would regret the most. I think, I think the one might be actually like Taiwan Walker, um, yeah, a guy I they just to mention him. Yeah. Rehabbed and then walked away from, um, I think they were probably scared of the medicals. That's always kind of been my stance. I don't have anything to substantiate that, but you know, they built him all the way back. He came back through one inning before the end of the year, looked good velocity was fine. Um, and then non-tendered him. Um, so you assume there's a reason for that. Um, Robbie Ray, I mean, I'm going to be really honest. I mean, that was just an absolute crapshoot. Like the day that that guy <laughs> would just, you know, somehow figure it out. I mean, I don't know. Let, let's rewind the tape and I'll go back and retroactively take people's bets on, uh, how you would play that situation. I mean, most people <laughs> wanted him run out of town anyways. Um, yeah. and really he's basically the same pitcher. He's just walking fewer guys. Um, and like Andrew Chafin has been brilliant this year, but he has a BABIP under 200. He's pitched mm. almost 40 innings and has somehow in, in 42 appearances only surrendered one home run this year. Um, I mean, I, anyone who else wants to, you know, bet me that that's going to stay, um, you know, so I think, I think there's some things that look bad on the surface and maybe by the time it's over, it's, it's maybe not so bad, but um, Yeah. Context is important. I think all this stuff, you know, it, it may look or feel a certain way. And I also think there's something to be said for like when stuff sucks, like everything sucks, you know? Yeah. If this team were running away with the National League right now and Andrew Chafin had a great ERA in Chicago, no one would care. Mm. We just wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> you know, we'd, have, <laughs> we'd be talking about we'd be talking about how the Diamondbacks were somehow holding off the Dodgers in the division. We wouldn't be talking about how Andrew Chafin is is breaking out in Chicago at the age of 31. So um, <laughs> it's easy to be critical. It just it feels like everything has gone wrong. And I think yeah. I just kind of lump that into this category. That said, I mean, I also don't feel like there are a bunch of clear examples of like shining, you know, player dev victories either. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would like to see more, too. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not willing to um, really like come down with a hard verdict yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. I think that's, that's a a good, just kind of balanced approach to the question. It does seem like, I mean, you look up and down this roster and almost none of the things that the Diamondbacks have had going for them, like over the last few years, even not much of them seem to have to do with like player development within the organization. 
Um, I mean, you think about Cattell Marte. I, I guess you could make an argument. I mean, maybe Cattell Marte is a good example because he was not viewed as an elite player coming no. over from Seattle. No. So, so maybe maybe Cattell Marte is sort of the the counter argument here uh, of a of a guy who came in with very little expectations as being you know just kind of a nice uh, speedy shortstop who probably would have to move to second base and could hit a little bit. Um, he's obviously taken a turn for the better in a big big way since coming over. Uh, Zach Gallen was pretty much a finished product. I don't think the Diamondbacks can really take much credit there. Um, he's obviously the other majorly valuable asset on the team. Carson Kelly, maybe they take some credit for um, for how he's developed. Uh, obviously, he's hurt now, but he looked good for a while. Um, I guess just something to continue to monitor, Jeff. I mean, yes. it seems like kind of the unanswerable question. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think it's a wait and see. And one note I'll say on Cattell Marte, the one guy they revamped uh, to get Cattell Marte was Mitch Hanniger. Uh, yeah. got Mitch Hanniger back on track. He becomes a tradable asset that helps you get Cattell Marte. So, uh, we can mm. probably dig and find some things, but, um, it's not necessarily, you know, overwhelming one way or another. So yeah, I think it's a, it's an item to follow for sure. Well, we've got some listener questions, but before we, we jump into that, I think it's safe to say we're probably going to see some trades in yeah. the next nine days or so. We've already seen a couple. Tim LaCastro is now a Yankee and has since torn his ACL. Oh, it really sucks. Um, yeah, really hate that. Um, hopefully he's back ready to go next year and um, able to have a, a good year where, wherever he winds up. I assume he might be back with them. Um, but beyond him, Diamondbacks also traded Steven Vogt. Um, which I don't think you'll find a, a better guy for your clubhouse, a better leader type. He genuinely cared about the game and this team, even through thick and thin. So I think we have nothing but good things to say about Steven Vogt as a person. As a player, he kind of faded a little bit this year, not quite as effective with the bat, um, which is probably his main calling card. Uh, Diamondbacks traded him to the Braves, and I think they got a 25-year-old first baseman who's still playing in rookie ball. Um, so this probably looking at a... Yeah, I think you're looking at a salary dump there, um, which is probably fair. I don't. I mean, Stephen Vogt doesn't have yeah. a whole lot of value. No. I think he's in the last year of his deal. Um, so now we've got nine days to go. Uh, Eduardo Escobar is kind of the hot name right now. I think he's pretty much a lock to to go. I don't really see a reason uh, why the Diamondbacks would not deal him. Although I think we have a listener who wanted to ask us about that. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. But beyond beyond Escobar, um, maybe Peralta, um, some of these other veteran guys uh, you might see targeted in deals. Is there anyone in particular that you're thinking of, Jeff, that you think in the next nine days you, you would just be shocked if they were still a Diamondback? I'm not going to go as far as shocked, but I do think... Um I actually wouldn't be surprised if like Joaquim Soria is moved or um, I know his, his (laughs) overall line is pretty ugly. It's still marred from some of those early season outings. But um, like I said, better of late, that seems like the kind of guy that you move. Um, I do think there's something to be said for, you know, I I think a name that's probably really hot um, and probably the one I'm watching the most because I think it tells us something is Merrill Kelly. Uh, Mm. There are a lot of teams that could use a Merrill Kelly. Uh, yeah, not, you know, just durable, dependable, keeps you in the game. Um, you know, four out of every five starts are pretty strong. It's, you know, um, it's not flashy, but it's effective and it's really inexpensive. And there's an option to keep him uh, for 2022. 
So mm-hmm. I do think he'll continue to draw interest. I've seen some reports of interest in him. Um, and I think that, you know, I think my stance on Merrill Kelly has been, I, I, I sort of feel like they'll, they'll keep him. I don't think they'll trade him just yeah. because this team is going to need innings again next year. Um, yeah. And Merrill Kelly gives them to you and you trade, you could trade him again. You know, you could trade him next July instead. Um, that's still kind of my stance, but if they go another direction and they decided to move him now, um, at that point, I don't know why you would, you know, at that point, I don't know why you're keeping Nick Ahmed or David Peralta or things of that nature. I I, I don't know. It seems like, um, if you're going to be willing to move Merrill Kelly, you might as well just start really like trade most of the things, you know, selling anything that isn't nailed to the floor. <laughs> so um, yeah. yeah, he's the one I'm watching for sure. But my gut says he stays. Merrill Kelly is low key been one of the one of the better moves this organization has made yes. in the last few years coming over from Korea. Yes. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that is an incredible find a guy who has come over here and he is about as as consistent as you'll find and gives you i mean the other day he pitched eight innings probably could have gone the whole game i know there's mm-hmm. some people are probably still mad about that <laughs> um <laughs> dory lavello has had a very a very quick um very quick hook so far this season probably has to do with actually uh, that's something i want to ask you about jeff because i have seen so many people uh angry with tory lavello pretty much on the daily uh because you know the starter has gone five or six innings and they're at 78 pitches and that kind of seems to be it most of the time is my take on this is that Tori Lovello has basically been told by his medical staff slash he thinks himself that after as short of a season as we had last year and just the bizarreness of the schedule that these guys have had to go through the last year, you probably want to err on the side of caution with their workload. Do you think that's what we're seeing here? Or is Tori Lovello as as absurd and ridiculous as, as some of our some of our listeners may think? Tori Lovello for the first time in many months is probably actually getting some sleep right now um, because he has some viable starting pitching to put out there. And the yeah. last thing he's going to do is let it, let it uh, rot on the vine, leave it out too long and then suffer six more weeks of sleepless nights from the end of August through the end of from the middle of August through the end of the season. So uh, I think your intuition is correct. Um, one note on the Merrill Kelly signing, the Diamondbacks for a long time have been lauded as a really strong organization in terms of scouting uh, Asia. And so mm-hmm. I think this is uh, another uh, another example of them doing well there. Um, they haven't necessarily panned out in it very well, but the team has signed a handful of, um, you know, sort of intriguing uh, Taiwanese uh, amateur players um, over the last few years too. So just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. The, the D-backs definitely have a, you know, a respected presence in, in Asia. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you brought that up. Um, all right. Let's jump into some listener questions here. Um, uh, I already talked about Eduardo Escobar briefly, so we'll jump into that one. Kyle Collins said, would the D-backs be better suited to re-sign Eduardo than trade him? Don't see them getting a ton for him. And he's a fan favorite with positional flexibility. Um, I would be pretty shocked. I think Eduardo Escobar, if he's still a Diamondback in 10 days, I would be I would be pretty thrown off by that. Um, I, I just I, I think that even though I mean, you're not going to get much for pretty much any of the assets. The Diamondbacks are are realistically going to trade right now. But I think Escobar is more value than probably anyone uh, enough to get something that's at least noteworthy. You're I mean, you're going to get more than a 25 year old who's playing in rookie mm-hmm. ball. Um 
and Eduardo is also, I think he's raising his stock right now. He has actually played very well um, in the last week uh, and even before the all-star break. So I think you could get enough that it's probably worth it. I, I don't think, uh, I mean, fan favorite, I mean, yes, but I mean, let's face it, there's only about 8,000 people going to these games anyway. I don't think you're going to keep someone because they're a fan favorite. And I think the Diamondbacks have the depth from the minors that they could pretty easily cover his spots. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think he goes. Um, I, I don't even know the uh, the positional flexibility part is starting to kind of fall further and further short as he ages. Um, yeah. And if you trade him in July, I mean, he's still, you know, going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So um, it says you can't can't maybe go back after him. But I think the uh, I, I think he's I think he's a pretty sure bet to go. I would be really surprised um, if they didn't trade him. I think. Um, you know, the, the one thing is they don't really have a, a sure solution at third base. So they're going to have to go shopping one way or another, but, um, yeah, I think, I think he's gone. I, I, I think he's probably had his bags packed for quite some time at this point. All right. We also have Kyle Collins said, uh, when do we see Seth beer and are these struggles with mm. Christian Walker, a blip or something to be more worried about? Oof, this, I'll let you go first here, Jeff. This one's tough. Yeah, so I'm going to start with the Seawalk part. And um, I, I've, I have been pretty pretty disappointed with, with Christian Walker's season. I'm sure Christian Walker is much more disappointed with Christian Walker's season. Um, but it, it really has not come around. And, you know, I think there was a narrative that, I mean, I was comfortable with um, not that long ago, that he was a sort of sneaky um you know, middle to low end uh, starting first baseman who um, could you use a, a, a you know, a, an upgrade there, maybe a, a, a you know, sl- more slugging kind of first baseman. Sure. I don't think that he's necessarily was among the tops in the game, but for what he was paid, I felt like Christian Walker was a really good fit there for especially where the ball club was. Um, his regression this year has been pretty, uh, pretty steep. Um, it has not gone well. And, there just really haven't been many signs of life. He hasn't um, hardly even gotten hot for like a week or, um, you know, had a month where things really clicked. Uh, hopefully that's still ahead of us, but um, I, I really am concerned. I don't know uh, how much longer uh, given his age, the team can work with the assumption that he is a viable everyday first baseman on a competitive baseball team. Problem is Seth beer is not exactly uh, pushing for his job. Uh, Seth beers numbers in triple a, even though it's Reno, um, are pretty lackluster. Uh, he's hit eight home runs in 63 games. Um, it just really hasn't been, uh, his, his really his power numbers just haven't been there in the way that you would expect in the PCL, especially in Reno. Um, I don't, I don't know that uh, there's, I, I think probably continuing to give Christian Walker opportunities to get out of his funk is probably the best path forward right now. I don't, I don't think Seth Beer is exactly uh, nipping at his heels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess the narrative is the Diamondbacks at first base might be in trouble. Yes. Um, I don't know if either of those guys are, are guys you're particularly comfortable with there. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Seth Beer slugging under 500 in Reno, which is kind of like slugging under 350 in the majors. It feels like, I mean, that's, yep. uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty low number for, you know, for a first baseman. I and mean, we've seen Ildemaro Vargas slug like 800 in Reno for, yep. during stints. So it, yeah, I mean, the, the power numbers, eight homers in 63 games, as you mentioned, that's, that's pretty concerning. Um, and yeah, Christian Walker just some just doesn't seem like the same guy this year. No. Um, I don't know if we should have maybe seen this coming, but frankly, I don't know if we ever had reason to believe that Christian Walker was the long term answer at first base. I think he right. was he was he was really just like the guy who was there when they traded Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. And I think the plan was just to kind of ride him as long as, you know, he continued to perform well. And and to his credit, he really did. He stepped up. And um, I mean, we were comparing his numbers with Goldie's uh, uh, over and over throughout uh, the last couple of years just because he's, he was actually pretty comparable. Um, but but yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an older guy. He was a late bloomer coming up from Reno. Um, you know, he's, he's been in other organizations who have moved on from him before. So I don't think this was ever a guarantee. And unfortunately we're, we're seeing the results of that right now. Yep. Um, but Hey, before we get too much farther in the show, uh, we have to hear a quick word from our sponsors. So, uh, we're going to do a quick ad read here, uh, take a quick break, and then we'll be back with a couple more questions here in just a moment. Well, the 2021 Olympic Games in Tokyo are here, and that means thanks to our friends at DraftKings, it is your turn to compete for the gold. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and are offering a free shot at up to $5,000 in total cash prizes. Here's what you do. Download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions about what you think is going to happen during that day's events and then track your results throughout the day. See if you come away with the gold. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code DRYHEAT when you sign up to get your free shot at up to five grand in total cash prizes every day of the gold medal games. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code DRYHEAT. For a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. All right, and welcome back into the back half of episode 34 here of the Rattle Podcast. We'll continue answering our Last couple questions uh, to finish things off here. And uh, we have another one from Kyle Collins. Uh, Thanks, Kyle, for um, keeping us busy here. Um, Kyle was wondering if we could give a possible pitching preview of some guys in the minors that we might see toward the end of the season, um, if any at all. And I'm not quite sure. He mentions Bryce Jarvis and Levi Kelly. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. I'd I'd be pretty surprised if we saw either of those guys at the major league level. Um, but I, there have definitely been some exciting things to go down on the pitching front in the minor leagues lately. Um, Jeff is our resident D backs minors guy. So I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Jeff. What do we, what do we got going on right now? 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, in terms of some of, some of the top arms, um, I, I don't think we're going to see uh, much in the major leagues in terms of the top arms. Um, you know, you made a good point earlier about Tory really managing the um, the major league starters as workloads. Um, I know that at the minor league level, that is just as much, if not even more, of a point of emphasis, um, which I think diminishes probably some of the likelihood that we would see some of the late season promotions that maybe we're used to. Um, I think there's going to be a real uh, hesitancy, especially for teams that really don't have much to gain um, to risk running guys out for an extra start or two. I think come, you know, early September um, as the minor league season, you know, is is wrapping up uh, there's going to be a feeling of (laughs) if you got through this thing healthy, um, and kind of hit your, you know, hit your innings mark. Uh, we're not taking any chances. Um, put some ice on that shoulder and go home. <laughs> so I, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot, which is a little frustrating. I think from a, you know, from a fan perspective. I mean, there's certainly guys that we'd like to see, um, and there's been some nice progression, but I just don't think that some of those top, any of those really, any of those top arms, we'll see. Um, but there are some exciting guys at Double A. I mean, Jarvis is there, although he is on the um, injured list right now. Um, he was recently put there. Um, Levi Kelly's had a really tough go of it. He got off to a late start. And if there was a guy that seemed like maybe could see some major league time, his at least timeline made sense in the fact that he got a late jump on the season. And so you could have said, well, Hey, maybe out of the bullpen or something sure. um, in September, he could have used some extra innings, but uh, it's been a rough go for him. He hasn't even transitioned really back into the starting rotation. It's just, um, it's been really tough. So I don't, I don't see that really happening. And there's a bunch of other guys that, you know, started the year and are still continuing to make their starts. Matt Tabor, um, Ryan Nelson, uh, guys like that, you know, Tommy Henry had a recently had a, a decent start. Um, Luis Frias as well, but you know, the odds of them, I think seeing big league time are pretty slim. So, um, I think if we're really looking for much, it's going to probably come from triple a, uh, to me, you know, the guy that's really, we should maybe even be worrying about at this point is, is really, you know, back to our, our old friend, Corbin Martin, um, mm. things have continued to be kind of rough for him, but yeah. any signs of life and any chance to get him back into the majors, um, and find any success. Like if there was a way that he could end his campaign with like three decent major league outings and head into the winter with a little bit of confidence, mm. uh, that would be like of paramount importance to me. Yeah. But I'm not sure even he'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Corbin Martin had already pitched in the majors before the trade, which is crazy to think right. about. Um, it's a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, he had Tommy John surgery and then had another more hangups last year trying to work his way back. So it's been a long time. Um, but yeah, if I remember right, his numbers in, in his few starts with Houston before the trade were pretty ugly as well. So I think you're looking at a guy who still has a, you know, a high ceiling. We've seen this stuff. I think there's clearly some potential here, but, but yeah, I imagine his confidence in his ability to pitch at the major league level is pretty shaken at the moment. So I think that would be totally huge. Um, Last thing here, um, we have another one from Ollie, which is uh, I'm sure there's some sarcasm baked in here. But will Cattell Marte ever play a game in a Diamondbacks uniform ever again? Um, if this is alluding to a trade, um, I I I don't think that's really a serious concern. Um, he was curious, you know, there's no timetable on the injury and no reports on it with the trade deadline coming up. I do think we've, we heard an update from Tory not too long ago 
about this. I think it was a couple days ago and uh, he had an MRI. There was an issue with the MRI machine, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which was, which was funny. People were just like, Oh my gosh, the diamondbacks, everything, even their MRI machine is quitting on them. Um, but yeah, so the MRI said, um, or showed that he is near a full resolution in the, in the words of Tori. So we did get an update on that recently. Um, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I, I really think a trade is totally out of the question here. And hopefully, um, we might see Cattell again in this lineup within maybe the next week or two, uh, as this hamstring issue continues to heal. And that would be pretty big, Jeff. I mean, we, at that point, we'd be like actually pretty close to seeing the baseball team that we thought we would be seeing, um, or that we hoped we'd be seeing throughout much of this season. It's just been so fragmented from the beginning of the year with injuries and Cattell coming back would, would sort of be the icing on the cake. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm, I'm, I don't feel any sort of threat that he's going to get moved. Um, he's still one of the more valuable and better players in baseball. Um, yeah. So, and, and finding out that, you know, there's nothing, uh, tragically wrong with his hamstring is, is good news. Um, you know, and, and I saw that we had a, a comment from, from Steven, uh, to Ollie's question and, um, even seen some other sort of banter about it. Um, I think on fan graphs earlier in the week. Um, but you know, there is some concern that, that really this move of, Cattell to center field is like really causing some harm to him physically. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's selection bias, recency bias, or, you know, us just wanting to have an easy answer um, to why he's all of a sudden been hurt so much over the last little while. Sure. But um, yeah, I, I think there, there might be something to be said for that. Um, They've been hamstring issues. He certainly runs more in center field than he ever did at second base. Um, and perhaps we see this winter uh, a real concerted effort to find a way to make sure that Cattell Marte moves back to second base on a very, very regular basis. Um, I think he affords Tory some real luxuries and that he can cover center field. But, um, you know, he has filled out. He has gotten heavier. Um, he does even look to me at times like he's lost some flexibility. Yeah. Um, he also hits the crap out of the ball um, <laughs> in a way that he didn't do when he was younger um, and a little uh, and a little thinner. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a trade off you probably take in terms of overall production. But monitoring his health, I'd love to uh, to see if there's something to this um, and getting him back at, at second base on a regular basis might help. But for all intents and purposes, yes, we will see him back in a uni- in a D-backs uniform very soon. Um, and you and I will, will rejoice. <laughs> okay. Quick, quick follow up here. Would you, if, if the only way to get Cattell Marte out of center field over the off season is to put either Paven Smith or Dalton Varsho there on a regular basis or some, I don't know, maybe there's some other guy on the roster I'm forgetting about who could maybe slide over to center at times. Do you think that's a, a move worth making? I do. I think having him, um, I think having him in your lineup for 140 or 150 games is worth just about any trade off you have to make. Mm. Um, I also think that Dalton Varsho can cover that spot defensively well enough that it's not really a, a big concern. I would like to see Paven Smith probably stay out of that spot as much as possible, but he's done a good job with what he's done there. Sure. Um, I just don't think it's really his best spot. That said, I also acknowledge that Dalton Varsho has had a lot of issues. Um, something I dug into this week, and, and there may be a post coming on that, or at least something we can discuss next week on our show. But 
Um, you know, his offensive struggles have been tied to certain things and yeah. um, we need to see a little more out of him. I think yesterday's home run was a great sign. He took a, you know, a high fastball and turned it around and, you know, it was fantastic, but th- those kinds of things need to happen on a more regular basis. He's been a little bit of a letdown here in the early going. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a trade off I'd make. Um, but I also think that, you know, uh, shopping around on the open market, you know, for someone on a short term deal might make even more sense when you know that you can, you know, presumably stick an Alec Thomas uh, or a Corbin Carroll in that spot before too long. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess we'll go ahead and hold off there here in uh, episode 34. Thank you all for listening. I uh, want to give a specific shout out to our brokenhearted Suns fans out there um, who were yeah. had a had a rough week. Um, but hey, we got we got good news for you, everyone. There's a the, the hottest uh, team in the National League. The hottest baseball team in the National League is right here in the Valley of the Sun. So <laughs> uh, jump on the bandwagon. Um, it should be hopefully a more bearable second half to the season uh, <laughs> than it was in the first half. Maybe maybe this team is a little bit less championship bound than the Suns were. Um, but we'll go ahead and stop there. Be sure to uh, give us a follow on Twitter. If you haven't already, you can find our page at, at the rattle AZ. Uh, you can find me at, at Jesse and Friedman. Jeff is at Outfield Grass 24. Um, we have some plans in the works. We are hoping to record our show next week from um, a Hillsboro Hops game, uh, see some D backs minor league action. Um, so hopefully we can get that going for next week. Next week should be a pretty fun show. Uh, but until then, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to talk more about the hottest team in the National League, the 2021 Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah.